Look who's back. Who is this good-looking guy to my left? Definitely not talking about Chuck. Bring it, baby. Smile. The Wiz's smile. Let it eat. Big game tonight. Game seven. And Angelo Cattoli. What a Tuesday. Uh, welcome back there, King Asabi. How you doing, bud? Oh, I'm doing great. How's everybody? Everything is just fantastic. Life is just one big peach bowl right now. Peach basket, whatever. The peach bowl, football, Georgia played Alabama. Anyway, uh, great to have you back. Uh, we missed you, of course. And your uncanny ability to add that the statistical little uh, thing that I so often need. We've been having fun with the, with the Daily Show, the short show, which doesn't always stay on schedule. What's new in your life other than being a dad? Not, not much other than that. How no, long have you been out of Grimley? It's been a while. How long a month. Because month? Baby is uh, just one month old today. All right, so as you reflect back, would you ever have guessed your old-fashioned dad would have respected this process, the glorious process, by the way, and actually granted five or six weeks out of Grimley for, for, for what's it called, the maternity leave by the father? Uh, paternity. Paternity leave mm-hmm. by the father. Would you have guessed me to do that five years ago? Um, probably. Okay. You know, I, <laughs> we did it. Yeah. I mean, I always thought like, you know, right. three, four weeks and yeah. I'm not pushing like five, something and like what that. What do we know? The company's yeah. still standing, huh? Still here. Still I mean, here. Yeah. yeah. Well, what's that little, like, you were like, oh, oh, just about it. Was I mean, just, no, we're still here. You know, I'm on the meetings. Just, I'm not yeah. missing stuff. I'm yeah, all right. the big, it's in a sense, it's nice. I'm, I'm not doing any of the, it is the nice, work, isn't it? <laughs> and I'm on on the, all the important meetings. <laughs> So, Can, you know, there's been times I've been outside walking, right. walking the baby, and having a conference call yeah. or sitting by the lake just yeah. in the grass. And I'm still on the same meetings that I right. would be. Instead, I'm sitting on the grass over watching the lake instead and what, of. Uh, and what's wrong with that, man? Right. Yeah. I'm just uh, not doing the day to day like my, work. Obviously. My happiest times are when I'm sitting in Tavistock in the convertible with a nice tea and I'm texting you off as something really super important. And I could use that opportunity. Yeah. Convert that into my office. Yeah. I'm gonna have my phone, my computer. Yeah. I got like you know, all out. the stuff, so I'm getting all the. I'm not missing work when I'm on important call. I can still get to everything. You know what's cool, bud? That today, what are the odds today that Angelo and we didn't work this out? We would never know. We could never time this thing. That it's our hundredth. Uh, let's call it the hundredth anniversary. The, the the hundredth podcast of speaking in sports is the Angelo. Long show, special uh, interview. That's pretty darn cool, right? The, Fair? The, probably the uh, most exciting we've ever had, exciting we've ever been for, uh, you know, a guest. We've got Angela Cataldi coming up today, the one and only. Yeah. The voice of Philadelphia for the past, what is it, 35, the, yeah, 35 30, years? Round it off. Yeah. 30 I mean, there's years? There's a bit of pressure with having them up, you know, stumble over your words, maybe, I don't know, get the names right. Uh Give me some love, buddy. Give me a Chad and I are exchanging little fist pounds there and a, and a semi hug, right? Um, but that's cool. I mean, it's been so much fun to work with you, continue to work with you. But uh, you know, true bucket list thing. When I started this, like, hey, could a, could a father and a son ever have the divine opportunity of of loving sports, working together, 
and also uh, collaborating on a on a podcast, uh, baseball podcast, uh, and um, you know, see it take off, so to speak. And um, three years later, you know, be fairly viable and interesting, and and uh, have nice some nice feedback and compliments the the company's uh, marketing and culture quite nicely. So. You know, I just want to let you know I appreciate working with you, bud, so much uh, without getting emotional. And uh, it's just pure irony that it ends up being on the 100th uh, show of Speaking of Sports uh, with Angela, which I, 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 I'm I revved up. I think it's going to be sensational. Uh, I really do. And, I, I, yeah, we know Angelo. We, we met him several times at the studio, but I think he's just going to give us a lot today. And uh, I think it's going to be... Um, a lot of fun. So we'll see how that goes. And he's part of the family of the entire Philadelphia yeah. area. Yeah. Um, it's crazy when you think about, it's crazy that he's not there on the radio now. And yeah. I know I like the, the morning show now with, with Richie and, and the camera and stuff, but Angelo's show, just you really miss that. About how long it took the, the adjustment curve to get used to them. Because yeah, it's, to, it's totally like, no different. Way. I couldn't stand to turn the radio on at 6.15. It's, it's, total, it's a totally different show now. Yeah, you know, yeah. Angelo, that in a fun boom. way, was he was really an entertainer at yeah, heart, yeah, yeah, yeah. in addition to bringing out the sports world, where the camera, yeah. well, I think he's very good. They're all very good. Right. It's more of a um, question-answer approach, and Richie's yeah. there supporting it's methodical. And, yeah, it's a little yeah. methodical. Where Angelo mm-hmm. is a, a loud entertainer. Just la- I mean, his show was funnier. His show was funny. Oh yeah, boisterous. I, mean, I would. I remember oh, driving in the car yeah. to work, and he would be screaming at something. Oh, and I was lost, and I would just be oh. dying out there. I mean, I remember that the, the thing that got me recently. <laughs> he did for so long. That, <laughs> are you with me, Rube? And <laughs> right. and Rube just Rube and Amara, I think was silent. And then they played that clip. Are you with me, Rube? For the right. next three months and. Stuff like that, you just really, really miss. They was just. I gotta ask. It was him, quite, quite. We the don't show. have it down on our prep list on the whites, but you know what? I gotta ask him about the legendary callers that we don't hear from anymore. Eagle Shirley, Simon John. You know what about uh, what Butch or Butch done. So there's at least three right there. That's I'm our sure first question more. after we say hello. How you doing? You go dial them up as I'm t- eating up some time here. Yeah. Hello. Angelo, good afternoon. This is Chuck and Chad from Speaking of Sports. How are you? Hi, guys. How you doing? How you doing, buddy? Thank you so much for coming on. This is, this is in the truest sense, a genuine honor. Uh, I just want to uh, welcome a true gentleman, outstanding family man, maestro of mania and nonstop infectious energy guy. This is the real king of sports talk radio, a real legend, former WIP host, Angelo Cattoli. How you doing, buddy? Hey, it's uh, great to be on with you guys. I know when people call you a legend, I figured out what that is. It's another word for old. old. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that a lot the last year. The yeah. first 30, not so much. You know, Only the last year people started saying that. So the first question, and welcome aboard, but the first question, of course, has to be probably a rhetorical one. Do you miss it? How much do you miss it? And how's retirement treating you? Uh, retirement's going great. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it. I wrote a book. It's coming out real soon. In fact, it's already out. I have it in my hand right now. So I can send out some early copies to people if they're really dying to see this thing. But, um, yeah, the, I only missed it one time. Okay. I, I missed it one time in 10 months. And that was when, um, it, it was revealed that Jonathan Gannon violated NFL rules. 
and was interviewing for the head coaching job in Arizona while he the week he was planning for the Super Bowl as the defensive coordinator of the Eagles. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to go on because I know that he got away with stuff because I wasn't there. <laughs> I would have the watchdog tower. Yep. He would have, I'm telling you right now, he would, I would have made it my job every day that I was on the air to remind people of how this guy destroyed one of our seasons for his own selfish, selfish interests. And I'm telling you, he's, you know, I, I, I had a list. I have a list in the book of all the people I've had feuds with and that right. I trashed that I right. couldn't stand. He really, if I was writing like a new book today, <laughs> he would be ahead of Gabe Kapler and Andy Reid, who were the two guys <laughs> I couldn't stand the most. He would be ahead of them because that guy, first of all, his defense stunk. There right? we go. It wasn't it even up. that good. <laughs> it wasn't even that good. And then on top of that, the guy doesn't even give a damn enough. And the second half with a gimpy Mahomes, right. they go right up and down the field. Right up and down the field. I would have killed the guy. Oh and my that's God. the only time. I swear to God, that's the only time. Because otherwise, I don't want to get up at 2.30 in the morning anymore. But the guy got away with it. He didn't get the same treatment I've given to other people who ruined seasons like he did. Uh, he's just, he's awful. The guy, I watch Arizona games, guys, just to root against him. Yeah, I know what you mean by that. My God, I, I do the exact same thing. But you know, in, in the point that you raised subliminally, whatever, is that you were a system of checks and balances for Philadelphia sports. But you you would bring it to the surface. You would draw attention to seemingly innocuous where people would know what's going on behind the scenes because you would make it very obvious to everybody where the problems were. Exploit that, stick with that, and a lot of time have remedy to points that you surfaced where people weren't paying attention for a period of time, but you stuck with the agenda and you know made the problem very visible. You're very, very yeah. good at that. It didn't always work. Right. Like, like I, I, sometimes it works. Sometimes I would trash a guy and then other people would jump on and go, yeah, you know, he is a jackass. Let's get rid of it. Like Kapler being the first and best example. But then I, I did it with Andy Reid and the people still love him here. Yes, and the guy, 14 years, he won nothing, nothing. right? Nothing. nothing. He, he never answered a question honestly. For 14 years, Not once. and we would do these polls, right? right. I'm going, well, you know, if it's my final year. I'm a legend now. Maybe people will agree with me. 85% still love Andy Reid. Still Reed. love Andy Reid, yeah. So it didn't always work. You know, my power was kind of come and go. You never knew when it was going to work and when it was Well, boy, does this question dovetail to your power then. How the heck did we end up with an Andy Reid day? Your hands had oh, to be tied on that. Right. Everybody wants to know the truth, and I know you're transparent. Lay it on us. Oh, absolutely. I, I actually dealt with it in the book because my boss at the time was um, Spike Askin. Mm, all okay, right? yeah. And I, I, I'll be honest, I never could go against Spike yeah, right. because yeah. when he first came to us, we were doing a photo shoot for um, some, I don't know, was some company. And my job was to take a big bite into a cheese steak, <laughs> right? And then, and they were getting me, there's all these other people around me and they're getting me 
biting at this cheesesteak. So I bite at the cheesesteak. They, 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 right, we need another shot. So I bite into it again. And they finally get the last shot. And they go, all right, we got it. Perfect. Now I've got the cheesesteak stuck in my mouth. <laughs> and I don't know if I should be spitting it out or what. <laughs> it gets stuck in my throat. Oh, boy. I can't breathe. Oh, I heard about this. Right. Cannot breathe. And he right? saves you. So oh, my God. I panic. I panic, and I, I sprint away from where all the other people were, right. which made no sense because I'm going right. to need somebody to help me. Yeah. And Spike follows me, sees what's going on. Heimlich's once, doesn't work. Heimlich's the second time, boom, comes out. The man saved my life. Literally. What am I supposed to do? do now? He's my boss. <laughs> what <are you> gonna <laughs> do? Saves your life. Wow. That's unbelievable. So, you know what? We kind of, I said to him, Spike, this is insulting and embarrassing, but you saved my life. Uh, would it be okay if I went against it? Right. And he said, you've been doing this long enough. Whatever you think will work best for the promotion, do. Right. So I had an Andy Reid depreciation day the first four hours, and then everybody else told you how great he was. What a but great that's the real story. That's a real story. I couldn't do anything. Now, oh, what are you going to do? The guy saves your life. You're going to be a jerk. You give him a, you roll, you roll over, give him an Andy Reid day. What the hell? And I had right. to think Howard was behind some of that too, as much as Howard, you know, revered. Maybe, Andy, you know, maybe now Howard. Yeah. On the, I agree on, with that. on the wing bowl. Is there another side story to that? Were you endorsing wing bowl all these years? Did you love it? Did you think it was great energy and publicity, obviously, or, or would you put a, a stop to wing bowl? you know, five, 10 years before it ran its natural course. No, I wouldn't have stopped it. Okay. Um, the, the real story is this. So um, Al comes up with the idea. I have a whole chapter in my book, Loud, which you should read, because this Can't chapter wait. is one yeah. of my favorite. It's one of my favorite. So Al comes up with this idea. We're never making it to the Super Bowl. Why don't we have our own little event uh, where Buffalo was getting there every year. They weren't winning it, but they were getting there. Al, you know, covered hockey in Buffalo. He knew about the Anchor Bar, which had the best wings in the world. Why don't we have a chicken wing eating contest? None of it really made sense. Right. So he did it, and it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then about 15 years into its 26-year reign, it got ah, kind of dirty mm -hmm. <laughs> you mm -hmm. know the, yeah. the, the strippers were taking their clothes off and yeah. and then the gentlemen's <laughs> bars were bringing in porn it got bad all right <laughs> so we get to 26, 26 and um al's already thinking listen we got to get out of this state we can't do this forever they're, they're pushing gonna, your luck that'll be yeah. Yeah. plus somebody will die or die. something terrible yeah. it's yeah. politically incorrect yep all right so he didn't even tell me when the Eagles win the Super Bowl. The next day we come in on the Monday, he goes, that's it, we're done. We don't have to do the wing ball because we just won the Super Bowl. That was the whole purpose, replace the Super Bowl. We don't have to do it now. We want it. No more void. Only one person fought that for nine months. And I mean fought it relentlessly. And that was me. No kidding. Uh, Wow. And I said, wow. I said, I want one more. Right. I want a big finish. Come to the final wing bowl ever. I thought it'd be a big sell. Mm -hmm. I thought people would love one more. 
No one supported me Nobody. anywhere. Not on the not on the show, not outside the show. And then the ownership of this of, of the, all of our stations in the, in this whole group here um, made it pretty clear that they found the whole thing rather offensive. Mm-hmm. So I lost, but I wasn't kid. See, the thing is, yeah, it got kind of bad, but for a lot of years, it was the greatest annual radio promotion in America. We got 20,000 people at six in the morning Crazy. to watch fat guys eat chicken wings. Chicken wings, right? Who would have ever thought it? Now, what, what's your one takeaway? Oh, be it a float, be it somebody that damn near didn't make it through. What's your biggest, most memorable takeaway from Wing Bowl? Uh, my biggest takeaway, it, here's what was great about it, all right? And people sometimes lost sight of this as we got further in. So we're on WIP and we're talking about all these stars and we're yelling at them or we're saying how great they are, how bad they are. We found a way in an event. We didn't think of it until it happened to take an average guy, just a guy going to work every day and giving him a, a day of fame. You know, a day, somebody wins that. So this guy, Big Rig, won it. He was a, a truck driver and he ended up opening a restaurant with the name Big Rig because he became famous by winning a wing ball. Little guys became big guys. That's Not cool. for long, wow. but yeah. it was, they got to experience what it was like to be a star. They would be on the front page of the Daily News the yep. next day. Yep. Yep. And, and that, was, that was the thing I take away most, that we, we got some people, El Wingador, Heavy Kevy, yeah. these people that were known as eaters, they became famous for a fleeting moment and got to experience what it was like to be a star. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Now, as far as your daily uh, callers, well, not every day, but the main stage, you know, the Butch and right. Signman John, it's almost, yeah. it almost feels like they collaborate amongst themselves in protest yeah. to never come back. I mean, Eagle Shirley does make an appearance now and then, but was it once you left, they just decided there could never be another experience like it was with the morning show in Angeles. That's it because um, no, nobody really yeah. participates now. The, um, I think it was a mutual decision. I okay. think, um, it was also pretty clear and I understand it hundred percent that the new show, the camera and, uh, Richie mm-hmm. and Seltzer and those guys that they wanted their show to sound different than the show that was on for 33 years. Mm-hmm. And if the people are calling, and saying the same kind of stuff they said on our show, it might sound like our show, not their show. So I think they sense that. And um, see, those Eagles, Shirley, Simon John, Butch from Maniunk, uh, there are like eight or nine of them. Yeah. Um, those guys got treatment that was a little different than the other callers right. in that. Right. I would keep them on a little longer. Um, if there was a lull in a show, if a show was kind of slow, wasn't really going, I'd go to one of these crazy guys like Austin Arnie, right. my, maybe my favorite of all time, because I knew he would change the tempo of the show, right. that he would give it an injection of adrenaline right. and the show would get a little more lively. So you, you use them that way, but the, it's a different show with a different approach. So, you know, I, when I first started, I was feeling my way around trying to figure out what I was going to do after Tom Brooks. I left and uh, 
I expect that they're going to have the same feeling out period where they figure what works best for them. Is there anybody you owe an apology to? That I owe an apology to? Wow. A lot of people, honestly. <laughs> um, most... if, if I, all right, there's one. The, the toughest thing I deal with in the book, the, the, the thing that I regret the most in 33 years, didn't actually happen right on the year. Okay. It was uh, Philadelphia Magazine was following me early, early, 1993, 30, 30 years ago. Um, I'm there following me, and we were talking about the 93 Phillies, who we had a real contentious relationship with. And um, we went to a break, and Jim Eisenreich's name came up, and he was courageously battling Tourette's, and he such a great person, too. Right. And I made up bad joke about what he would say oh, wow. um, about Jim Fergosi, who I hated. <laughs> and it ended up in the magazine. Oh. And I apologize then, but I, there's no way to fully apologize for that. If that had happened now, I would have been fired. Crucified now. Yeah, no doubt about no, it. No, I would have yeah. been. I was a cancel culture. I wouldn't have survived. Yeah, I would have survived. But I guess Jim, Jim Eisenreich would be the first one I would, because not only was he a terrific player, my kind of player, a contact hitter, runs hard, that kind of stuff. But he was also a gentleman who furthered the cause of people who had things like Tourette's syndrome. Um, and I uh, mocked him, um, you know, put words in his mouth he never would say. That would be my biggest regret. And I, look, I covered it in depth um, in the book. And uh, that's the thing about the book. I really got to reflect on the things I think I did right and the things I didn't do right. And there's plenty of both when you're on that many years. Yeah. Uh, I hear Gabe rumor has it that Gabe Kapler is still waiting for your phone call to apologize. <laughs> All right. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you a story that you will not believe. Yeah, let the sun shine in, Bubba. Come on, bring it on. How, how life works. All right. So it's three weeks ago and my wife is kind of dragging me along for a trip to Napa Valley for wine tastings. We're with another couple. We're going to, we're going to California. Nice. We get, we land in San Francisco. We get in, we each got our own cars. It's me and my wife. And the, the, the GPS sends me right in front of Safeco Stadium, really? home of the San Francisco yep. Giants. Yep. So we're literally right in front of the stadium. And I point to it. And I say to my wife, Gail, that jackass Gabe Kapler works there. I hate him. I hate him. We drive back another hour and a half. We get to the, the hotel in Napa Valley. And uh, I put on the television and Gabe Kapler was fired. Yeah. And I prefer to believe that he was fired as I passed by <laughs> the stadium. It's, it's, it's and, a matter of record. It absolutely happened. And he, how about this? And he looked out the window and saw <laughs> my <you>. smiling <laughs> face. <laughs> how great was! But literally, he got fired the same, that is... roughly the same time that I was driving. I've never driven by that stadium before, and I probably never will again. Talk but that about... one moment, he was getting canned. That Life is, is great. That is Life unbelievable. Is and that's after winning 107 games two years ago with all the analytics yeah. and stuff like that. It looked like he was going to sign a 
10-year contract, yeah. you know? But how about the, yeah. the non-analytics? Not that they don't use analytics. Of course, everybody seeks information. Yeah. But how about the four older guys of baseball now being in the finals, you know, when you take a yeah. look at the uh, the manager of uh, Texas and, of, and, of course, our guy. So some of the old-school guys showing up at the end, you know, versus the analytics well, guys only yeah. that are out of, some well, of them out of the game. Some of them use it too much. Yeah, Thompson, I think Thompson uses it too much. Yeah, I, I, I think Thompson, who is who knows how to play baseball, he's over sixty, he's been in the game his life, knows you got to move runners over, you got to make contact, you got to bring them in, that kind of stuff. But I don't see him use it that much, and um, he's got to use. Um, you know, he's in a seventh game as we speak right now, getting ready for a seventh game. He's got to use players that the analytics would tell you not to use, like uh, Zach Wheeler. He's got to put him in. Yeah. you got to win the game. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes practical thinking is more important than what some stat sheets say. Absolutely. I've always believed that. Absolutely. And I, I thought you ultimately struck a fair balance uh, between analytics and how much of it and, you know, making judgment calls. I, I thought in the beginning you were pretty much anti-all analytics, but over time – you realize that it was it was something that everybody needs. It's information, so you can't do without it. But you always were suggesting everybody strikes a balance of analytics to on the field coach. I thought you did a pretty good, pretty good job in that regard. So, will you watch the Phillies game tonight? Will you stay up? How excited yes. are you to have a yes, game I seven? Will. Great, man, that's great. I will. I will stay up, which I probably would not have been able to do if I was still getting up at two thirty in the morning. Although. Philadelphia has never had a game seven, so that's pretty exciting too. Pretty but cool um, stuff. the thing with analytics, I'm not going to try to come on here. And I, I'm glad that you said I struck a nice balance. I thought you did. When analytics worked, I would often speak about how great it was, and when it didn't, I would bash it. So I was the ultimate front runner with that kind of thing, right? I always had a love hate relationship because I love stats like anybody else. But like if when Doug Peterson was here. And the analytics kept telling him to try on fourth down. And it, it often worked. I thought it was brilliant. You know, but then when um, a pitcher was taken out with 70 pitches, I would say, well, that's stupid. Why would the analytics tell you to do that? It's dumb. I tended to play both sides against the middle there, to be honest with right. you. <laughs> so you got to be real excited about what looks to be another Super Bowl-bound Eagles team. Can you talk about that a little bit? I am. Yeah, I learned a lot um, by being off this this year. Mm-hmm. I learned that. I learned what really matters to me. See, when you're doing um, a sports show in Philadelphia for all those years, you um, you have to be in, interested in everything because whatever comes up, you need to talk about. So exactly. you got to be up to date on the Sixers. A little less so for the Flyers because they became less relevant over the time I was on, but especially the Phillies and the Eagles. And what I have learned from this year is that far and away, <clears throat> the team I care the most about is the Eagles. The Phillies, even in, you know, they're in the playoffs, they're in the playoffs last year. It just doesn't register for me the way an Eagles game does. Did that an change? Game, yeah, did that change over, Angelo? At one point, yeah. were you more baseball, if I recall correctly? Yeah. And there was a conversion right. to football. Explain that a little bit. Well, I grew up a baseball fan. My right. father made me a Yankee fan because he loved Joe DiMaggio, right? right? So I was a baseball fan well into the time I came here. I started to change when I covered the Eagles at the Inquirer 
in the mid to late 80s, right? But then when, when, you know, there were a lot of people on the egos that were on my nerves. I hated Rich Cotite. I hated Andy Reid. So I never really developed that great a bond. But when Doug Peterson, he was the, the, the big guy. Doug Peterson was not just the man that won us a Super Bowl. He was a man I got to talk to after every Eagles game for five years. And that man told the truth every time we had him on. Mm-hmm. It was an honor to speak to a coach who would admit his mistakes, who would give you inside information. And that's when I developed a deeper affection for the Eagles. They won the Super Bowl. That put it in another level. And mm-hmm. um, I just, it, it's, you know what it is too? Football. I just love football. Football love is football. my favorite sport. Yeah, now, I love it. Did, did the rule changes help? reel you back into baseball a little bit or a lot? Because the rule changes have been widely oh, popular, right? Game ah, does absolutely. move along, right? It moves along now at a good clip. Uh, <clears throat> so it, it's really greatly enhanced the game. I mean, this year, viewership was way up. And how about the Phillies going from the 22 to 29 to 39,000? So the baseball yeah. crowd's always been there, right? It's right. not really secondary to the Eagles. we both both teams have unbelievable level, passionate following, passionate sports yep. fans, right? Yeah, that that's fair. That's fair. I know you and I got totally uh, totally agree with you on that. But um, you're right that uh, baseball um, made a great stride forward by putting in the pitch clock and, and tightening things up. Some, no doubt about it. To me, it, it I, it's still lacking because there, there's too many people striking out. Mm-hmm. I, there's oh, I, there's all these athletes out in the field. Uh, put the ball in play. Let's see. Let's see them make great plays. So like Rojas makes. Uh, he's an amazing center fielder. So, yeah, he's not going to do it if there's 15 strikeouts. You know. Uh, but but generally, yeah, it's just that football. I don't know. I sit down before an Eagles game. I'm nervous. Right. I'm into everything. I'm yeah. swearing, screaming. Right. I'm not that way in a bait. I'm not that way. With I hear the you. Well, you know, baseball's diluted. When you take 162 versus uh, 17, yep. Yep. just just the dilution factor alone works against yep. you know baseball. I know Chad has a couple questions regarding the book. Chad, sure. Yes. Hi, Chad. Hi, Ange. We touched on you know a lot of them here. Um, kind of in the early on in the part of the show. But, you know, I guess if we were to look at look at something, you know, for people of the future, we obviously we live in a world with a lot of techno- technological changes. You know, what would you, what advice do you give to guys in your shoes, you know, who are just out of college, young 20s, looking to get into this world? That's a great question. And I do, I re- in the epilogue of the book, it's loud. It's called loud because that's what I was for all those years. Um, in the epilogue of the book, I offer this one piece of advice to young people going in, especially in a world now where there's all these conflicts of interests and business partnerships, et cetera, et cetera. You've got to go on the air, or if you're writing, you've got to sit down in front of that computer. And if you're paid to give your opinion, you've got to give your opinion and not give a damn what the players think of it, what the owners think of it, what the managers or the coaches think of it. You got to make sure that opinion is pure. It's how you feel. Doesn't have to be right. A lot of times opinions turn out to be stupid, but if you sell that, if you start to 
pull a punch because you're worried the coach is going to get unhappy. Or, oh my God, you criticize Bryce Harper. You're not going to get to talk to any of the players in the locker room. You do any of that stuff, you sold out. Don't do it. Give your honest opinion and don't worry about them. And here's why. Because they don't matter. Someday in the 33 years I was on the air, there was not a single sports figure other than the you know play-by-play guys, the broadcasters themselves, who was there the whole time. No owner, no coach, no manager, no player. They come and they go. They were all right? gone. They all leave. We don't. You stay. The That's true. People, the people you need to take care of are the people who are also staying, the fans. And the fans deserve your honest opinion. So just give it and don't sell it. Because I'm telling you now, the biggest thing that's going on is I'm seeing it all the time now, selling it. There's always some connection where, oh, I can't say what I really feel. Then don't go on. Don't occupy the uh, broadcast waves or don't occupy the newspapers or websites or whatever because you're ruining it because you're not doing it the way you're supposed to. Give be honest. Great Simple advice. enough. Be honest. Great. That's all I'm asking. This is a tough one, uh, but nobody better than you better suit it for a tough one. Now, here's a criteria. The players that you're going to uh, mention here do not have to be on a world championship team. Uh, it's not a criteria. We're going to use the four major sports, of course, and I know you've probably traversed this question before, but if Angelo Cataldi is putting together his Mount Rushmore and in baskets. And I'm just going to help reboot a little bit for you here with Wilt and Dr. J, AI, Barkley, Greer, maybe football. We got Reggie, Doc, McDonald, Benaric, maybe somebody else. Hockey, the two obvious, Bernie Clark, baseball, Schmidt, Carlton, Ashburn, maybe Harp and uh, Utley and anybody to your liking. If you're putting together your Mount Rushmore, who comprises Angelo's Mount Rushmore and who is captain of that Mount Rushmore team? Thank you. Wow. All right. This is, I've never done this. Okay. No oh, one's really? ever asked me I, this. I thought you were going Chuck, it. I've done this a million times. Buddy. I they never did could. it, Chuck. <laughs> cool. Chuck, you know, did, all right. Uh, the, ba- the basketball one is simple because he's my all time hero when I was a kid and I got to meet him and talk to him. And I was in awe of him. I was like, Giddy and I just um, my first for Mount Rushmore is the greatest basketball player who ever played, Wilt Chamberlain. No Check. question in my mind. Got it. Check. No question right. in my mind. All right. uh, hockey, I'm going to go Bernie Perrant because I covered Bobby Clark in the final year of his career. I was the uh, hockey guy the one year that that he ended up in, and um, I had a big feud with him. And um, oh, why he was a phenomenal hockey player. He was kind of a jerk. Mm-hmm. Off the, uh, he really was. A, he was a jerk to me, let me put it that way. Okay. So I would go with Perrant because Perrant is a gentleman. And a one, I mean, his goaltending in those championship seasons. Ah, phenomenal. So he's going to be he's going to be my hockey guy. Okay. My baseball guy. Mm, I, that's got to be Schmitty. Okay. All right, because I'll say this. I also got to talk to him a number of times. And um, he was one of the more thoughtful people I ever met in that after his career was over, 
he was able to see more clearly the PR mistakes he made during it because he wasn't as beloved as he should have been. He's the greatest third baseman who ever played the game Absolutely. of baseball. Right. You know, and, and he, there was a love hate thing going here because he was kind of a deep at times. So, although in this day and age, his behavior would not have seemed diva-like. So, so I would definitely say that. And I, in football, well, you know, I would never, I would never put Donovan McNabb there because I hated him and he hated me. So that's not a possibility. So I'm going to go with a guy that I was able to cover um, because he was the most dominant football player I ever saw in my lifetime and a great gentleman off the field. And I'm going to put Reggie White up there. Good choice. Good choice. All right. So the one caveat, thank you for that. The one caveat to your answer, if it doesn't have to be a player to mount Rushmore per team, that's a mouthful, but I got it out. Right. If you had to take one down because you thought a second player from a a particular team would replace him, is there anybody between Wilt Bernie, Schmidt, and Reggie that you would take down to put a second whatever up, second baseball, second football, whatever it would be? Or is that, in fact, your final answer to Angela Katobi's Mount Rushmore? No, you're right to ask that. Because to me, what I witnessed over all the years I did the show was that hockey became less and less a sport. So although I love him, I think he's a wonderful man and a phenomenal player. I will remove Bernie Perron. Oh, it's getting good. It's getting juicy. Up there, okay, go. I will put up there the single most entertaining athlete I saw bud, do you know in this? all the years do you know this? I did it. Do you know this, bud? I, I, I want to take a guess. I, I didn't mean go to ahead. interrupt you, but it's so worthy this time to take a guess. Oh, man. Are you, are you, are you going to say AI? Yes, absolutely. Oh, I nailed it. Allen Iverson. Alan Everson, even if the team wasn't good, you had to watch Alan. He was yep, amazing. Yep, yep. He was the best use of the dollar. He gave the fans that dollars were every single time he went on the court. No doubt about and I loved it about him. And frankly, as a talk show, he got in trouble a lot. That was good, too, for us because we had a lot to talk about. <laughs> yeah, that's that's cool. So we got, we got Wilt. We got Schmitty, the best third baseman of all time. We got Reggie. How good was Reggie White? Un- oh, man. How unblockable oh, was he? Unblockable. unblockable. You couldn't block the guy. Man, oh. He made all those other guys. Those other guys were good on his defense, yeah. but he made them great. Clyde Simmons had a great career. Right. It would not have been as great if he wasn't an opposite Reggie White. Reggie White was insane. Oh. And he was huge. And huge. yet off the, off, the, off the field, he was such a, an engaging, committed man. A man of God. It's just, mm-hmm. it's horrific that he died so young. It's horrific. Uh, so, therefore, is your captain of the Mount Rushmore going to come down between Schmitty and Reggie? No, it isn't. It's I, <laughs> I'm I'm single minded here. I love it. I, I love I got, this. I love I it. I got Will. I got Will. Okay. I'm always going to have Will. When I die, right. I, right now, there's only a few guys left who remember actually watch him all the time. When I die, Wilt will probably be forgotten. As it is now, there was a poll out this week, and, it, and he was the, voted the third best center of all time. And I'm going, does yeah. anybody look at the record book? Yeah. The, the third best center, my ass. Yeah, that's a 
sir. Chad, give us one or two seasons from, from Wilt. Do you have them up there, buddy? I did, and I was, yeah, I was looking at it earlier just thinking about him, and I, I, I couldn't believe looking at the numbers how ridiculous it is. I mean, in 1961, he averaged 50 points a game, and he played all 80 games. Right. It wasn't a short season. 80 games, yep. 49 minutes, and 50 points a game. Oh, and... No big deal either. Just 26 rebounds. 26 boards with 50 <laughs> All right, points. Hold on a minute. Hold on. Did you say 49 minutes a game? 49 didn't minutes they, a game. Right? Wait a minute. Didn't they have load management? Load management, then? Angelo. Where's no. load management, right? How did he do that? Uh, and and girl, uh, you mean you could play longer and not, not get hurt, not die? <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. the whole point. That's the whole point. When you're comparing guys now to that, Nobody would even try to do that. Right. And, and and now that we've got you all lathered up, we'll close on this. How did you tolerate the Embiid Harden era here? What a joke. The whole Harden. Th- just talk about that. Like how utterly irritating has Harden been? Well, first you had to deal with Ben Simmons, oh. chapter one. As he exits, right. you get Harden, chapter two. And what's that fiasco been like to watch, right? Do you remember um, the movie Fatal Attraction? Yes, sure. Yes, this this is Fatal Attraction yeah, too. Too Daryl yeah. Morey, Daryl yeah. Morey, pitching his career yeah. to a guy who is no motivation. The more money you give him, the less he cares. And now they're stuck. They don't know what to do with them. Quicksand. It was a Fatal Attraction. Yeah. And, and now he turned on him. Turned and now he's calling him a liar? Yeah, oh, no. That, James Harden is, look, uh, because people like James Harden made my job a lot easier, but now that I'm on the sideline and I can just react as a fan, get rid of him. What's yeah. he going to do? You think he's going right. to win a championship oh, here? Can you imagine? Get rid of him. How about when what he, are you doing? How about when he came to town 45 pounds overweight and didn't even try to get back <laughs> on defense? Did anybody <laughs> ever interfere? Did you ever get a call from one of the major sports teams, C-Suites, to say, hey, knock it off, change the uh, – yeah. Uh, yeah. Can you share? Can you share one? Uh, sure. Sure, it happened uh, with the Eagles, uh, primarily with the Eagles in the late 90s where okay. – uh, well, you know, I led this group of people down to the uh, draft, and they ended up booing McNabb. Um, that set Lurie off bad, Jeff Lurie, the owner. So he wrote a letter to Paul Tagliabue and to the um, CBS network right. and to my the, the ownership of the radio group that owned us. And he basically said, uh, this guy is bad for all of us. All of us. Uh, and he left open the possibility that maybe it'd be a good time to get rid of me. Mm-hmm. But they didn't. Yeah, I thought they, you know, it's funny. I didn't learn about it till years later when my boss called me in and showed me the actual letter. And, and um, he, I said, why didn't you fire me? Right. And he went, because even then we thought, you know, um, we had a good thing going. We were making a lot of money at WIP. And we didn't want to screw that up. So why should we be bullied? And they stood up. If it happened today, yeah. I probably would have gotten fired. Right. Because they uh, nowadays it's more about the business relationship than ever ever before. So, But back then, they, they stood up to people like that, and it, it gave me a career. Eagle Shirley, wonderful gal, isn't she? Oh, I've been watching games with her. She's been over my house a couple you of times. you got to be kidding me. Nobody knows that. Oh. You've been holding out on us, man. No kidding. Oh. Eagle Shirley. No. Oh, that's great. One time I had Eagle Shirley and Austin Arnie. Austin Arnie. Oh, man. 
and, and they were yelling, screaming so much, my dog ran out of the room. Oh, that's a great thing. And and you got to help me out here. Who is the, you're going to know this in five seconds, who is the infamous caller that unfortunately passed away? Um, he was one of a kind. And it, oh, oh, Levi from Overbrook Levi, Levi. Oh, oh man, God. did I ever. I loved him. He <laughs> gave me a hard time yeah, every yeah. week. He wanted to get hired. I, I yeah. loved him. And then uh, suddenly, like a few years before the end, somebody said to me, he passed away. And I went, oh, yeah, we lost a lot of great people during my time. I'll tell you that. A lot yeah, of great people. But you know what? You were the catalyst to help develop them. There's no talk show radio with wow. Andrew told me you don't develop the, the people's personalities, you know? So hats off to you, man, for giving them the well, outlet and moving it along with these guys, you know? That's, that's exactly why I wrote the book, because this is my last opportunity to do an homage uh-huh. to fans that are so completely misunderstood. Right. These fans, you see them at the Phillies, you see them at the Eagles. These fans are beyond phenomenal. There's never an empty seat. They're loud as loud could be. And I wrote this book. That's why I called it loud. And I'm telling you, I'm proud of it. I'm proud of it because it represents honestly and fairly the fans of this city. And it's it, it's it needs to be said. I doubt it'll change the narrative all over the country. But fans that enjoyed sports for the last thirty plus years will enjoy somebody finally taking up for them and saying these people are amazing. And there are stories in there that will blow your mind at how amazing they are. And it's available. By the way, you can order it now, and I'll personalize it to you. You go to my website, angelocataldi.com, or you can pre-order it on Amazon. I just found out last night we we do have the go-ahead to do an audio book because oh, some great. of the people that listen to our show might not read books. You know how that goes, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. uh, we're going to do an audio book, too. So it'll all be out there. Release date is November 28th. But I'm filling orders now at my website, AngeloCatali.com. So don't hesitate if you want a copy. I'm looking forward to my autographed copy. Can't thank you enough. On behalf of everybody that could glean additional insights from you that had a lot of burning questions, hopefully we were relevant with the questions. Mm -hmm. And was the book hard to do? Is that a little bit more difficult than you first think when you get into it? It was not as hard as I thought it would be. Okay. But okay. I've done quite a few of these the last few right. weeks, and I'm going to tell you something right now. You guys did a terrific job. Your questions were great. Thank they you. were they were different than I've gotten before, and uh, more people need to hear about what you guys are doing because you're doing a very good job. That's a nice endorsement. Thank you so much, Chief. I'll tell you, that goes right to it. So thank you so much. Don't be a stranger. Like love to get you back now and then. Yep. And uh, go Eagles, go Phillies. And what do you think tonight? We get the win, Game Seven. Yes. We're going to the World Series. Oh, Let's rev it up. All right, you're the best. You were absolutely you the best. I missed the booming voice. All right, buddy, take care. See you later. Thank bye you bye. so much. Take See you, care, All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Nice job there, That partner. was awesome. Nice job, partner. Nice job. Nice really, job. really nice cool. Job. You know, it's funny when you're doing something like that, how ratcheted it in you are, right? It's almost like a, a torqued tension. <laughs> you can't. You got to listen to, like, yeah. every word. And then my uh, compunction to want to talk while he's you don't know if he's done yet mm-hmm. put the brakes on yep. let, it, let it roll out oh man yeah but i think uh i think it went well but no, absolutely it, it was that was well. awesome that yeah. was just a fantastic interview all around 45 minutes hard 
Yeah. No, he, yeah, I saw the phone. He was on for a good 40 minutes. That's yeah. really cool. Nice nice work. Nice yeah. work. Richie's going to love it. And uh, so uh, let's wrap it up. What's what's tonight? What do you got? Who's winning this thing? What, well, give me a score. I got the, I got the Phillies. Phillies yeah. in seven. I, uh, I was concerned after we lost game three. I thought the series was over. I heard that from. Uh, I was. Yeah. I thought Zach Allen was going to come out game five and be lights out. So did I. But he wasn't. Um, although he probably had a good game the first and last thing he struggled, but yeah. in between that he was locked down. Uh, but bottom line, he, the Phillies a little ugly in the past. No, I don't know who has momentum. The Phillies are home, but Arizona's won three out of four. Yeah. Uh, regardless, I think the Phillies win tonight. I think that second time around, we're facing a guy who's basically a minor league pitcher. I think we're going to hit him hard. Yeah, we saw him before. 5.76 ERA in regular season. Yeah. Right? And he hasn't been up long. So his Arizona doesn't have Second that depth. I, I know who MLB is rooting for to make, right. make the finals or make the World Series. Yeah. That's for sure. No doubt about There's that. no doubt. Texas, Philly. Yeah. Didn't we open the season in Texas too? Mm-hmm. And Trey Turner had mm-hmm. a great series. Texas yeah. could hit. Texas was right back well, in Atlanta, they, 5.7, they yeah, they No, They got a great offense, too. They're they're a very well-balanced team. They, they struggled off the All-Star break, I think, but they've yeah. since then, they they started good. They ended good. Obviously, they had a really great series against the Astros, but they got it's a, a shame we don't have the home field advantage. Just, they got just, a shortstop that doesn't miss a series as far as putting yeah. up good numbers. That kid hits. He does. He hits 1,000 OPS. On every series, I don't care where he goes. I don't care if he's 0 for 5 the first game. But when the series is over, check his box score. He's a, he's, a, he's a stud. He is. He has developed to be a top three player in baseball. Oh, he yeah. hits the heat. He hits the all-speed stuff. He uses all fields. Man, dear. He can play a little bit little bit of defense. So yeah. How about how bad uh, Corbin Carroll has done in this series. He's three. Well, he's, for, I know he's, he's young. young. He's young. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. You know, we didn't really see Arizona no. until yet last night. Right. The scrappy, quick, yeah, defensive-minded team. Like they didn't have any. I don't know why Corbin Carroll. I assume was told not to steal. I can't he imagine. Run on JT. I don't know. I don't know what that was about. But yesterday right. they. Proved, hey, if we run, it's going to JT threw two balls into the outfield. Yep, yep. yep. You, unless you want to blame Stott, you it, it make still happens. Happen, man, right? um, that's happen. Arizona's, you know, MO. MO. Yeah. That real scrappy type of team, the small ball, the bonds, play good D. That's who they are. And that, that's what they did last night. If they do that tonight, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it, it should be a good game. It really, it really should. But we have Ranger who's like, Best DRA in baseball after five. Unreal right? in the playoffs. Wheeler is available um, for now. Obviously, we know that he can't pitch at a sub-1 ERA forever. No, no, Let's hope right. tonight is not the night we see that revert back to the mean. But it's going to be good. And I think it's a lot asking Arizona to win back-to-back at home uh, on the road, especially with the guy they have thrown. They don't have Zach Allen throwing. They don't have the race on the mound. Right. So it's it's a, it's a lot to ask for this pitcher tonight to step up like that. It is, and they're happy just to get where they're where they're at. Arizona's just going to celebrate leaving town, even if they lose. You know, look how far they went as a young team. We'll be talking about next year. Where for the Phillies, the culture is: we were here last year with a two nothing lead. We got to get back to the World Series. Th- this it, would know? be a catastrophe if the yeah, Phillies would, lost would, tonight. In my opinion, we would look. We would have to look right to Game Three. Um, if we lost tonight, assuming we don't lose tonight in a you know yeah. 
obvious fashion, a bad decision. I think game three was a serious potential, potentially serious turning game when we brought in uh blind mm-hmm. blanket on his name, that yeah. rookie, the guy who had like three innings pitched this year. Kirkery guy. Yeah. He's, and then we he stinks. Uh, we should have kept Alvarado, should have brought Alvarado right in for lock oh, that man. baby down. That was unbelievable. I will never understand when I that saw decision him, coming off an off day. Right. Why did we not bring yeah. Alvarado in? Or anyone else? We brought in the, the, the Why would you bring a, Almost a, a anybody, minor leaguer but, in? But you know, uh, we'll see. We're here Kimbrell, tonight. Misuse of Kimbrel. Uh, he's he's got to be careful about Kimbrel too. What I told the radio today was was a telling. After I got the stats out, I went nice and slow. They went, wow. So I said, okay, between Schwarber, Turner, Harper, all hot postseason, they've been on base, rounded up, sixty six is the real number, seventy times, seventy times on base. And I said, our four hitter Baum has. Five RBIs with 70 guys in front of them. How about that stat ratio? How about that run production? Not on 70 guys on base in front of you. Is that insane? Five RBIs yep. off of 70 guys in front of you. And what would it have been? Now look at Schwarber's extra base hits. Schwarber's got eight extra base hits at the postseason with six yep. RBIs. Yep. You almost can't produce six RBIs off the eight. Take the eight extra base hits, tuck them in the four spot on top of 70 guys on base. My lord, it's it's, it's a problem. It's a oh, problem that the Phillies man. have had all year with their lineup construction. A problem that we've mostly been able to get bailed out by. Yeah, bailed out. Yep. Um, yep. Hope and that's it. really the term. It's the short and little spot is not fundamentally correct. Right. We get bailed uh, out. We get bailed out. You no, know, the yeah. the one supporting theory is you want the guy who hits the most home runs to bat as many times as possible, maybe. But there has to be value of having. Uh, guys on base to that, and the and lack of protection the problem, for Harper. Yeah, the problem right now is Boom. You can get away with Schwarber at one if if Boehm is if hitting. Boehm's hitting exactly, if, four, if the four exactly. hole is hitting, but Boehm is he looks lost right now. You really got to hope he turns around. And I, in my opinion, I, you can keep Schwarber one, but you got to put JT or or or, or uh, Casty. Right, you got to move one of those guys up right. to four. Right, you can't have their power that they're producing that low in the lineup. And people say, oh, it's good to hit through the lineup. Well, it's better to hit with Trey Turner on second and Bryce Harper on first. Right. I want a three-run home run right there. Right. Uh, I don't want JT to hit a solo home run um, because, you know, Boom got out exactly. or something like that. And that's what's been doing. Boom has not been reliable. And, 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 and when he struggles to hit, he struggles on defense too. He's proven that he's a proven heady player. He's got to be lower in that, in that lineup. Take the pressure off him. Let him handle himself at third. You're hitting seven. That's a fine spot for him. Right, right. I and and I think Marsh should be moved up. Marsh has been a great hitter all year all round. All year, man. And he, he's probably been the most disrespected guy on the lineup. Um, he's, he's a guy who's literally hit the right. entire year. Right. And proven so many people wrong, myself included. I think yep. Marsh was a good, good player. He is a phenomenal hitter. Better. He's proven to be a great hitter. Pert bat. Yeah, he's Pert a bat. prolific power guy. No, but he's hitting 340 in the playoffs. 400 on base. But he finds a way to get those one or two hits a game yeah. when, when you're not even looking. All of a sudden, you took the box score, and Marsh got two more hits. And he's got I mean, how speed. many times do you have to do that before he finally gets to a top spot in the lineup? Yeah. What right. if Marsh let off and Schorber was fourth? Just think. Just think if you put the three on base percentage with power guys in front of Schwarber, who's got 50 home runs. Right, I mean, we we may never see that because he's going to come back and campaign for Schwarberg first next year. Do you know he is? Marsh is second on the team in hits in the postseason. Right. What if it was Turner Marsh or Marsh Turner? Both right. those guys are speed. Then what if you get two back to back hits and Harper's up with two speed demons on first and second? Yep. 
Yep. My God, talk about pressure. And then if you have a guy supporting Harper like Schwarber. Right. If I'm a pitcher, I'm shaking in my boots right there. But we're not going to see that. Nope. We're, just, we're wishful nope. thinking at nope. this point. Nope. And then Harper ends up with 12 hits and 13 walks. Why would you pitch to Harper with Baum up next? Who would pitch to Harper with him in the four hole? It's played against us all the way through, but to your point, sometimes you live to tell about it because you get you just pass over it with other accomplishments, you know, and you cover it up. You hope that a game seven, which is what I always refer to during the podcast season, gang, I just hope it doesn't come down to game seven, last inning, and you have the scenario up with the hole in it, and that would be Schwarber up with two outs with the batting average, or it comes down to Baum batting fourth. Uh, and you're going to point to that and go, God, neither one of these guys should be here. Or maybe Schwarber hits a three-run walk-off home run in the in the in the bottom of the ninth, you know, from the leadoff spot. That would be terrific. I'd take it on to the World Series. Texas is a legit team, no doubt about it. And uh, let's get this thing done tonight. So uh, Angelo goes with Wilt. Uh, I, I, interesting and how I like he took it. a like hockey it. player, given the option. He did take a hockey player yeah, out. He had all respected all four sports. All four there. sports initially. All, right? Some really great answers. I love Wilt being up there as his number one. I, <laughs> I couldn't agree more with Wilt. That's funny, man. And he leaves Harper off. He leaves Carlton off. Uh, you know, that's tough. Is that it, it's Clarky. Hard, no. Clarky's on a lot of people's list. It's hard, right? hard to put Harper on there at this stage yeah, of his it's career. It's too early it's for just, him. I, I, I'm with you. Yeah. B. Doc is on there on a lot of people's list. And there, but position wise, there, right? there's a, there's a lot of great Philadelphia yeah, athletes. Yeah, yeah, AI, cool. All right, man, man, that's a wrap. Let's go Phillies. Uh, we'll get you out of here with the music. And uh, thanks, Richie, for everything. And Angela Catolby, thank you so much. Uh, you really made our day. All right, let's go Phillies. Game seven, man. Let it eat, baby.